Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk About Death. Yes, it's a topic that a lot of people don't like talking about uh, and it is death, but it's something that we must all go through later on in our life, some sooner rather than later. We're joined by two special people. We've got Jess and Tori. So let's put our hands together for them, hey? Let's, uh, if I can get that up on here, let's, uh, yeah. Well, welcome, ladies. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Oh, that's okay. Thank you for having both of us. That's, that's, yeah, all good. All good here. So today's topic is going to be about the coroners. Uh, and how it all works in Australia, or especially in Victoria where we are, um, is going to be totally different to how, I guess, some other states work or what other countries work like. Um, I know in Victoria, if it's a, a, a death that has happened unexpectedly, then they are normally involved with the coroners. Um, and then that is where we do the transfer into our care once that's all taken place. If someone has passed away in a hospital and uh, due to an operation or that doctor in the hospital can't write the medical cause of death, then it is reportable to the coroner once again. So, um, but a lot of people ask the question about why, like, don't everyone go to the coroners? Like, in, like I said, in other, sta in other states... That could possibly happen maybe in um, overseas. I know in the US all deaths go to the coroner. Um, and I'd be interested to know if you if you are in another, another country, um, maybe just on the comments you can type in what happens with you. Um, we'd love to hear that because uh, uh, all around the world, different cultures, different traditions, different laws, everything in regards to death. So... Um, so what I guess the, the big thing is for us is, um, you know, what, what is the process from when someone passes away, Jess? What, what's the process here? Like what do we have to do? When, well, in relation to the coroners, we will generally have the family get in touch with us. They will tell us that their loved one is currently with the coroners and they will give us a coroner's case number. Right. So what we would then do is fill out a form. We would put the coroner's case number and their details. We would fax it off to the coroners and yep. that then gives us authority to see what's going on, what processes are going to be taken. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's so a starting point for us. So I guess it all comes down to... So, I mean, when, when people do ring, it's sort of finding out as much as we can about how the person's passed away or is that something that's still quite private at that moment, do you think? I find it really depends on the family member that we're talking to. Um, it, it, some people are very forthcoming with information. They will speak openly about what has happened. Yep. Um, some people are very, very private. So I try not to pry too much and just let them give that information in their own time. Right. Okay. Um, Tori, your experience with just doing transfer from the coroners, is it, is it quite sterile there? Yeah, absolutely. When we go in... Sorry. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, so when we go in, uh, everyone's in full, full gear with us... We wear our masks, we wear our gloves and everything. Yeah. It's 
it's always a bit not confronting when you go into the corners. You don't know what you're going to expect. So for us, I think we just kind of, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of stand there and just look around the room because I'm a bit nervous. Yeah. Because you don't 100%. know, I mean, you, you could be told that it's an 80-year-old woman and you're just spec- uh, uh, seeing this 80-year-old woman standing or sitting or whatever, and but then when they come out, it's totally different. Um, and a lot of the time, um, and I don't think it's because of disrespect or anything else like that, is, you know, sometimes the body's not even covered or they've just got this little thin, I don't even know what you call it, like a... Like a, like a veil almost. Yeah, or uh, like a hairnet but a large, a large hairnet um, that then covers the body. And um, so if, I guess, I guess with the coroners, coroners are, are, is quite, quite an open thing because um, there's a couple of processes when it comes into there, isn't there? Like scan or something? Do they, yeah, they do the scan. They do, so not, not everyone requires an autopsy. Yeah. What is an autopsy? Just for those people that... So, an autopsy... autopsy. Oh, how to explain that? An autopsy is a medical procedure... Yeah. ...that, I guess, can be quite invasive. It's taking samples from organs, um, from parts of your body... ...to find out what the cause of death may be. So, it might be taking samples from your heart, from your lungs, from your liver, kidney, your brain. Yeah. Um, obviously, it becomes more invasive depending on the type of type of death. Yeah. yeah, okay. But not, you were saying, not everyone needs no. it. No, no. So often, I mean, the first thing that happens when someone goes to the coroner's is they will have what's called an inspection. Yeah. So the medical examiners will utilise a CT X-ray machine if they can find the cause of death without doing anything invasive, they definitely will. Yeah. Um, the next step would be an autopsy. So if they can't see what the cause of death is, that's when they proceed to an autopsy. Yeah. So every person that does go into the coroner's, they do get blood tests taken, so for the pathology side of things, just to make sure that there hasn't been anything untoward or too much medication was given or for overdoses or uh, suicides... Um, but especially when it comes to uh, medical neglect from aged care facilities and yes. things like that, uh, you know, I, it's going to sound awful me saying, but it's easy to do. People do make mistakes, but it's um, knowing 100% what that person's passed away of. In one side, having your loved one go to the coroner's and undergo an inspection and autopsy can sometimes save future lives because there might have been an ailment that that person has had that may not have ever been picked up unless that person had died of that. Does that all make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, and and that's what I try to explain to families, you know, yes, I know they've had to go in there and they've had to undergo this procedure, but there might be things there that you can at least now go and get yourself tested for that could save your children. If it's not you, it could save your children. So... Or it may even just lay dormant and you may not ever happen. But I think that's that's an important step, I think. Because um, we've had, even just with with normal reportable deaths, like through normal doctors, I've had even where, you know, doctors, I've had one doctor sit me down in his waiting room or go into his, into his suite and then ask me 
what's the top three things that people pass away of? And I told him and he started writing it down. That's it's horrific. like you don't – now, we're talking a long, long time ago, but that I'll, I'll, never for, uh, I'll never forget that. That's something that you just – like I'm not a doctor. Like I'm only going by what I see every day, you know. But for that person or that specialist to write down stuff – I mean, and then that goes down in history – like that it family does. may not have had any heart issues, any lung issues, and now all of a sudden it's going to be etched in stone from now on that, you know, uncle or whoever passed away because he had a cardiac arrest. Well, he didn't. He had probably had a gangrene toe. Like, that, yeah. That blows <coughs> my mind that that has happened. Yeah. But a lot of those deaths just get, yeah, get pushed under the carpet and you're none the wiser because you're not, you're not a doctor. I think the coroner's... They make, I guess, medical professionals and, you know, staff in nursing homes accountable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, uh, a lot of nursing homes and things like that are so understaffed and all that now that I find that there is injuries that are happening because it's it's going to happen. Like, I know that sounds awful. Or... You know, you got one nurse to twenty people. I don't know what the what the breakdown is, but that that's a lot. I mean, even even when we've gone out and done transfers in nursing homes, and you see you see these residents walking around, and you know, it's like nearly making them run to go to the toilet or change their pants, or you know, it's like, come on, Maisie, hurry up! And it's like, give the woman a chance. Like she's already lived her life. Um, so, yeah, people fall out of bed, um, uh, all sorts of things, but it all comes down to if, if that doctor's happy to write off the certificate or not. Um, and most of the doctors have no idea who you're talking about. They'll just go, oh, you look at the file. They're not, they're not invested in it. I think the personal element has been gone for some time. Yeah. yeah. The, um, the coroner's side of things um, is, a, is a little bit little bit more um, extended out like if someone rings us today and says look you know dad's been in the coroners you know it could be up to seven days before we know that we have clearance of that person so if anyone has had experience with the coroners anywhere you know that the process is is a little bit longer but there's a little bit more logistics to it than just you know release of a body there's the pathology there's the autopsy results there's the the investigation with the with the justice system as well of how that person's passed away, are they willing to accept um, or release the body, or do they need to do more brain um, uh, incisions or anything else like that that needs to happen? Um, a lot of people, you know, what what you see on TV is is some way same but different. You know, they still do a why. Y open cut incision. It goes from so shoulder to shoulder to sternum and then down, basically down to your pelvic bone. Um, if they have to remove brain, then obviously that's a, a, a cut around the, the cranium uh, and then they remove skull cap. Uh, I know this sounds all awful, but these are the things that, that has to happen, unfortunately. But if the scan determines that there's nothing in the head that, that is relevant to the death, then they won't. They won't cut that. Um, but then, obviously, the organs, as you said, Jess, there's, there's samples of that that's taken. 
Um, but everything that is removed from that body for samples is then placed back into the body. But they're not placed back to where they originally were. Okay? It's, and that's... But, uh, yeah. They've, they're placed back into the abdominal area um, and then up to the funeral directors or whatever after that to, to what happens with that process after that. Um, we don't ever open the incisions of the coroners unless... Uh, we have to do a full embalm. And the embalming, if you're not sure what that is, um, listen to future episodes and you'll get a good uh, understanding of what that is. Um, we don't tend to do a lot of it because it's invasive. Same thing. If your loved one's undergone uh, uh, autopsy, well, I don't really want to have to then go and put you through, um, you know, the whole process of uh, uh, embalming if you don't need to have that done. Um, so, yeah, the coroner's, um, has had a lot of changes, um, bodies or deceased that do go in there, um, you know, they are just a number, unfortunately, uh, and their main role is, is just to determine the cause of death, they're, they're not there for cosmetic reasons, and they're not there to, because they don't know the story of the person, um, and, you know, in, in one way, I mean, that's great that they're getting down to the nitty-gritty, but on the other side too, it is someone's loved one. Uh, and that's why we endeavour as Brember Family Funerals is to bring our loved ones back into our care as soon as we can. So, um, and yeah, we are that 24-hour business, so we uh, investigate that quite, quite thoroughly through the whole process. So, um, is there anything else, Tori, about the coroners that you, that you want to share or... Or anything like that? I think my misconception coming into this business was most hospitals had a coroner's. And then I started working here and the only one was Melbourne. Right, yeah. yeah. So the, the most of the large hospitals or the old hospitals will have um, autopsy areas. Now, a lot of the time the old autopsy areas, well, the old autopsies would get done there. But I think because of the coroners and things like that, unless they're doing little babies or other little in-house type autopsies that doesn't require any other external source like the, the, our coroner's court in the city. Um, so that's quite interesting when you go to these locations and you see these beautiful old settings. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird... It's like a step back in time because they've got the old like granite tables and the, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. But um, if, if something happens in a hospital now, because of all of the, the lawsuits that have happened and that surgeon or that doctor's not happy, then they're sent, they're, they've got to go to the city because they're not, you know, I, I think they're just trying to cover, cover themselves, make sure that what any of their staff has done has been correct rather than not and... and you know, being the justice system, the coroners have the right to do whatever they need to do. Um, interviewing and the whole process or any charges are laid are all then placed on them. So the coroners really, everywhere, controls everything. Um, but just, you know, and if a doctor's not sure, then they'll, you know, reach out to the coroners and then find out the way that I'm doing things, is this correct or is there another way that I should be going about it? Um, but uh, no, in interesting question because I think, yeah, I think everyone 
because you see it on TV too, you know, CSI and, you know, you open the, the big metal doors, that drawers that come out, you know. Um, that's very Americanized. Um, I actually do like the drawers, to be honest, but that, that might be just me. Um, but not practical, not practical for a lot of that. But, yeah, unless unless it's a baby or or something of a smaller level, they'll, they'll keep their – or any other tissue dissecting, they'll all do that in-house. But normally it goes through to the coroners. Um, and they might have a central uh, hospital um, that might be in charge of, you know, five or six others. So if there's anything that needs to be done within that region, that person or item will then be sent to that one hospital for that to happen. But then you're in the hands of them too. You've got to wait until they go through that process. Um, yeah. Anything else, Jess, that you can... You can think of oh. in regards to the coroners or anything. Look, I think again when I first started in this industry, <coughs> I think you have a completely different idea in your head what a place is going to be like. Yeah. We, I remember the first time I went to the coroners, I was fairly overwhelmed because it was van after van after van, and you had to pull up and take your spot. Now for us, we we. We don't admit anyone, yeah. um, but we transfer people into our care. But there, you know, there are people being admitted day after day after day, and to realise because everyone gets a everyone gets a case number. Yeah. So that case number actually pertains to your your place in the queue, basically. And yeah, the number of deaths to that. In that year. Yeah. In that year. Yeah, and we're quite, halfway quite through confronting. the year and it's thousands and yeah. thousands. So I think I think that was the most confronting thing for me just to realise how many people do go through the coroner's system. Yeah. Yeah. It's um but it's an amazing place to see. It's you know, the the inner workings is just it's amazing. I, re I remember amazing. I remember because what oh, twenty two years. I remember when I very first started and it's hard, it's hard, I guess, for the general public to really see for what it is. But um, I remember when, yeah, when I first started and we'd go to the coroners and they'd have, it was like a drain pit. Really, really weird to sort of picture yeah. it. But you know, like what you have in the street, you have the, the grate and then under there is just like this big pit of muck and gunk and all sorts of stuff, yeah. right? So... They'd have these trolleys or gurneys or whatever you want to call them or, uh, that would have deceased bodies on them. Some covered, some not, some, you know, really, really bad. So when you think of – and I, I mean even for Tory now being a new – or even you, Jess, too, you know, um, going to the coroners now is just like going to a five-star resort. Like you don't really get to see other bodies. No. Whereas when I started, it was open slather. There was flies, there was maggots, there was all Aww. sorts of stuff. And really, it was an eye-opener for what we knew we could be in for. Now, if that didn't make you dry reach or anything else like that, then you, you're, a, you're a robot. There's something, something just not right there. I can't even imagine And, and you'd go home and, and you'd, you'd just, yeah, it was, it was awful. Um, but, yeah, they'd have this, this pitted area that then would have anything that was on those gurneys would then dribble off down into the hole and it would go into this pit. 
now. I don't oh. know if you can get that picture now, but it was um, it was pretty pretty terrible, really. Um, and then look, it served its purpose. Stuff. It served its purpose. <laughs> and then it would be I don't know if it was once a week or once a month they would allocate this coroner's technician that would have to get into that pit and had to scrub it and no. it's like Ugh. <laughs> just the just the uh, it's like ah uh, you know it's like drawing straws it's like oh geez i got the short one again um it was awful but the smell and things like that i mean i i have a lot of respect for what they do um you know we don't see half not, probably not even quarter of what they see on a day-to-day basis yeah now we've be, we've said a lot in in previous episodes about support from family, friends, and everything else like that. They would have to have an exceptional a for themselves to be able to cope. And I'm sure the coroner's department, the justice system, provides counselling and things like that. Because even with high high ranked figures and things like that, or things that have been on the news, they're seeing this. They're seeing this raw. They get the opportunity of touching this, but. Um, but now, now obviously with the coroners, um, it's quite, you know, everything's it's just like a hospital really, isn't it? It's um, it's the cleanest yeah. place. Uh, it's, it's it still has that, that, that pungent smell to it. Well, um, I think it depends who, <laughs> who has been in there before you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think one of my very first um, trips to the coroners... Uh, the St John's Ambulance had admitted someone beforehand and it was a someone that was quite de- decomposed. Yeah, um, nice. And I have to say that smell is like... Oh, oh sorry. Nothing <coughs> else. <laughs> like nothing else. And it's just... It's everywhere. It's in... Yeah, it's everywhere. You know, I'm getting really hungry. Oh. <laughs> eat some mm, chips. You want some? <laughs> Not after this episode. No. no. You sure? No mm. snacks. Mm. No snacks. <laughs> like snacks. <laughs> mm. Nice. Yeah, I, um, I'd have to agree with, yeah, it depends on what's gone in before. And they don't have the nice, you know, ambient um, music happening or the beautiful scenty smells or essential oils going in the diffuser. They don't have that. It is pretty raw. Um. But that's why that's why we do what we do, you know. Um, that the public don't need to see that that side. But mm. I think it's it. They used to actually do tours of the of the coroners, and I think over the time people got a little bit, you know, they were suing them because you know they smelt something that wasn't right, or oh, I saw a fly on the wall, and and hey, you don't want to see a fly anywhere anywhere in a funeral home because no. that leads to other creepy crawlies. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, coroners over the over my twenty two years have been really, really um, yeah. There's been a lot of changes um, for the good, by the sounds of it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, during COVID and even through you know the bushfires and all those type of things, you know, then they then they kick into like sounds awful once again, but like big twenty foot refrigerated containers. So if the bodies did get um, too much or due to smell or anything else like that, they would then place them into these uh, lockable containers and be able to, you know, 
bodies in, bodies out, bodies in, bodies out, you know, and um, it, it was a, it, it's a really well-oiled machine. I think that's how I pretty much do it. And I think COVID, um, they used to have two big 20-foot, no, were they 20-foot? Yeah, 20-foot or 40-foot. I think there were three there at one point. Yeah, three, but I think there's only one there now. So um, if I was the hiring container place, I'd be getting, you know, want it back? No, you can keep it. Thank yeah, you very much. That's yours now. It's like yours. I don't think there would be enough bleach or disinfectant to actually, uh, yeah, be able to clean that out properly. But um, no, that that's all perfect. So, look, I think we've answered quite a bit about, um, about the coroners. I think that's been really good. Um, and I hope I hope you out there have uh, learnt something too. And if you have any questions or any other things that you want us to follow up on future episodes, um, just shout out to us. The other thing that I want to sort of mention too is that we are on TikTok. You can uh, look up us. We're Brember Family Funerals. B R E M for Mary. B E R Family Funerals. We're on Facebook under Brember Family Funerals. Um, and, uh, yeah, Instagram as well. Um, but obviously, you know, we, w- we want you to be able to, to listen to our podcast and doing that. So um, get on, jump on board, and, uh, yeah, start, start enjoying some of it. So I want to thank um, uh, Jess and Tori for coming along and um, being a part of our episode today. Enjoy yourselves. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we lovely, always do. lovely, <laughs> lovely. And uh, I, I apologise for the for the farting. It's uh, yeah. It's I, becoming a thing. I, I need I need to lay off on the on the uh, on the beans. Um, all right. Well, look. Thank you all, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episodes. Talk to you then. Bye bye.